Hey guys, so we are back again with our next podcast over here. Like, uh, we'll be moving on to the next part of the intelligent design podcast, and today we'll be talking about fine tuning. I have my co-host Jacob with me. Hey Jacob, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Great. Jacob will help us to, you know, like uh, know more about fine tuning. Like, what is it, and uh, what are the various aspects of it. So, over to you. So before we move into matter of fine details, I need to uh, quickly answer some one argument that Cash Pro's uh, Crash Course has raised. They said that the theistic supporters have moved from assertions of certainty, sort of like scientific observations, to uh, claims about probability. Now that does not uh, take away anything from those claims because the claim about about that probability being true is still grounded in the observations that it holds to. Yeah. So if the observations are strong. and if the veracity of observations hold much stronger than the other observations then we can say that the concluding uh, conclusion or the conclusion of that probability will have to be true it's still again based on some sort of groundwork and if the groundwork is true or if the pillars are strong the roof will stand um now one thing that most often these uh, atheist scientists have got confused with is that they demand an unequivocal evidence for god they say that we need an answer from these that answers all the challenges every question that we have raised every point of incongruency that we have raised we need an answer from them that answers all of this so that is impossible for us to know everything in the universe to answer everything for example we we have to make do with the evidence that we have yeah for example even even in this modern age there are people who believe that the earth is flat opposed to who, opposed to us who believe that the earth is sphere so if i say to a scientist now i have a neutral position on whether the earth is flat or a sphere because there are so many arguments that are incompatible and that are in combat with the other argument so i don't think the earth is a flat or a sphere now any sound minded scientist will not accept that view he would expect me to take a position given on the evidence that i have another example would be the speed of light it is assumed that the speed of light hasn't changed mm-hmm. since the universe became into existence yeah. because if the speed of light changes then you have to change all the constants but now we are looking at a phase where we think that maybe the speed of light might have changed in the initial phase it might have slowed down to the current rate but if i say to another if i to say to research will and i say you know i am going to hold up all my cosmological and my astrophysical research until i can say with absolute certainty whether the speed of light has changed or not and if it has changed to how much extent if mm-hmm. i say that all the scientific world would ridicule me because they would expect me to work with the evidence that i have and then incorporate more and more evidence that we receive now more and more evidence is coming in uh, from research like from research from Marcel Urban and from uh, Gerd Lewis and Luis Sanchez Soto that the speed of light might have undergone change but that doesn't mean that i have to wait for absolute evidence yes. the speed of light has changed to do any scientific research i can make do with practical evidence i can make do with tested verified observations we hold the speed of light to be at a particular value and we keep in that holding it we make predictions about the universe and the universe then fits into those predictions and it makes sense with those predictions so it shows that our assumption about the speed of light is holding true so we make do with those evidences now we are coming to the point of fine tuning okay what is fine tuning basically what is the argument from fine tuning the argument from fine tuning says and it has nothing to do with evolution or adaptation crash course philosopher he sort of falsely equivocates uh, fine tuning argument with the puddle analogy 
Now the fine tuning argument is analogy. The puddle analogy. What is that? I'll I'll go into it. Okay. Okay. The fine tuning argument says that the initial conditions on planet Earth within this universe to even hold the probability of a basic microbial life to exist has been fine tuned. So hmm. it doesn't say anything about how life evolves, but it doesn't say anything about uh, how, you know, for example, how from bacteria we move to a whale. Yes. But it shows it. The argument is basically about for even the simplest form of life to even hold for a long period on Earth, mm-hmm. the necessary parameters have to be explicitly fine tuned. That is a fine tuning argument. Many okay. times they misconstrue it, and over the series we have seen a lot of misconstruing. True. The puddle analogy is often brought in to misconstrue this idea of fine tuning. Mm-hmm. The puddle analogy is simple. For example, you're walking down a road, okay, and there is a puddle, and it is filled with water. One day, the puddle wakes up. This is hypothesis. Okay, this is hypothesis. Okay. okay. <laughs> One day, the puddle wakes up, and it looks around itself, and then it looks like, wow, I am perfectly suited in this crater on the in this in this pothole on the road. So this pothole must have been fine-tuned to suit me. Okay. So the the point that they're trying to drive at is that just as ridiculous as the po- as the puddle thinking that the pothole in which it is placed is fine-tuned is equal to the ridiculous of saying that human life is fine or the surroundings are fine-tuned for human life. What they're saying is the puddle filled up the pothole. Mm-hmm. We humans, so similarly, like humans adjusted themselves and they evolved according to the the situation the nature and environment yeah. itself but like so that is an a question of evolution that does not answer the fine tuning argument the fine tuning mm-hmm. says for that initial pothole to exist there has to be a road there has to be a tarmac there has to be True. matter so for that initial conditions to settle there must be exquisite evidence of design now scientists at the reasons to believe dot org they have identified in excess of 140 parameters that must be exquisitely met For even the basic uh, life to exist. Sorry, how many? 140 parameters. Wow. Now I'll be dropping the link in the description to the uh, fine-tuning company. Okay. We can cool. go through. They also enlist 402 characteristics that must be met in a planetary system and a galaxy for intelligent physical life to exist. So these range from molecules to atoms to the strength of the four natural forces. All of these must be met in the exquisite level for even microbial life to begin. and to be sustained and the need for the advanced life carbon based life like ours to to be to be uh, to be long lasting in this universe mm-hmm. now let now i can go through all of these 140 parameters and go on and on and on but that would obviously bore you up let me go through one interesting point of fine tuning concerning our galaxy that i came across and this was mind blowing for me to come across okay um the specialty of our galaxy and our solar system what does it happen first up we happen to be in the safest spot in our galaxy cluster which is the galaxy cluster is known as the virgo supercluster and our safest spot is known as the local group okay the issue with this in the virgo supercluster there are so many unstable parts with new neuron stars and black holes present the the more we are closer towards those unsafe and dangerous areas they can disrupt the balance of our solar system they can disrupt the balance so much that no life would be ever be possible so our un- our galaxy okay our galaxy happens to exist in the safest spot okay let's let's take it by chance 
Next up, our galaxy does not have an aggressive star formation, nor does it have a cessation of it. So what happens if our galaxy is in a rare form? It is a green colored galaxy. What does that mean is if there is aggressive star formation, if stars are forming, forming out of control, then the galaxy is tagged as a blue galaxy because there is so much of stars, so much of light. But if star formation has ceased in a galaxy, there are no new stars forming in a galaxy, then it is called a red galaxy. Mm -hmm. But our galaxy is a green galaxy. It has a right mixture of fast forming stars <coughs> and also a right mixture of yellow stars that are stopped formation and they're slowly running out of gas. Why? What's the problem with having too many stars? Well, if there are too many stars, then there will be too many, too intense flares. Okay? Too much of intense flares from the stars would be there and they would be too intense and too numeral in size. Then there would be too intense ultraviolet and X-ray radiation. Okay. So blue star figure of a galaxy is not that suited. But what if we don't have, what if star formation of galaxy has stopped? In that case, still there would be too many too intense flares and also too many, uh, too much of nova and supernova events. And all this would mean that the spiral structure of our galaxy, if you see in the image of a Milky Way galaxy, you see that spiral structure uh, yeah, yeah. from the center. Mm -hmm. That cannot be maintained. Now let's, now we have seen that why our galaxy is exactly in terms of star proportion. Now let's see about the structure of our galaxy. Of only, of all the known dwarf galaxies, only 6% of them have a spiral structure. Oh, okay. Wow. The rest 94% don't have spiral structure. So what is special about the spiral structure? Our galaxy has very stable and well separated at the same time highly symmetrical if you look at the image you can see that it's highly yeah, symmetrical true. spiral now now this is the reason why advanced life exists this is possible because like i said about the star proportion of blue mm, red and yeah, green yeah. and also the mass and the size of the star now i just like i'm just based like, superficially covering all the points that these are all the parameters that have to be met like i mentioned now let's talk about the birth of the solar system and its movement out of the galaxy okay this is going to be like i said this was my mind-blowing part the solar system is placed at the exact place between the two spirals of the galaxies making advanced life possible on on earth wow. okay mm -hmm. the placement of the solar system is at 26,000 light years from the galactic center so it is placed 26,000 light years away from the center of the milky way galaxy now if the solar system had actually formed at this point, okay, if the solar system began at this point and is still at this point, then we would lack the abundance of heavy elements that is necessary for high, uh, highly advanced life forms. So what does that mean? I mean, if, we, if our solar system began at this point, then we are looking at a depletion of advanced life elements. So this is what scientists have figured out. If our solar system must have this high abundance of uh, elements, then our solar system must be formed 12,000 light years from the galactic center. Okay, so the only place in the Milky Way galaxy where our solar system must be formed is 12,000 light years away from the galactic center. But right now we are 26,000 mm -hmm. light years from the galactic center. So how did that happen? Yeah. So this is what they say. So at the right time, the solar system faced a gravitational pull, and it got ejected from that spot. And at, as it was being ejected, as it was moving our solar system got another gravitational encounter that slowed it down and it got placed in the spot right we are right now. Wow, this is so this sophisticated. Is the, this is the only way that can account for the current place of the galaxy mm. 
and also for the presence of the heavy elements and the abundance of the heavy elements because if we were like say, if we were if the galaxy if our solar system began in this in the current spot it was there won't be heavy elements there will only be light elements it had to be formed at the 12000 light years away from the galactic center but if it stayed there the interaction from the galaxies on the nearby spot that is very prone to that area interaction from that spot would would blast away all of that elements that were formed as well mm-hmm. so we can't stay there because we are very susceptible to uh, fluctuations in the spot and it's a dangerous yes. spot as well yeah so we were formed at a dangerous spot we got the right elements and then unbelievably our galaxy ejects from our solar system ejects from that spot and moves into the right spot between the two spirals now the journey becomes even more interesting when we know that during this traveling spot during this travel time our solar system avoided x-ray sources giant stars star clusters and giant molecular clouds so the question that i would raise is how is it possible that our galaxy is formed at the right spot that has the heavy metal element abundance that is necessary for our lives then it gets ejected because of gravitational encounter avoids all obstacles all disturbances all barriers all barriers and reaches a safe spot this is one huge evidence of fine tuning in the galaxy that i never i never knew i would come across because this shows specifically that our mind has to be at work yes. that is concerned with our human life that make sure that all the functioning of the universe and the galaxy are in proper now crash goes on to say that we only have a sample set of one earth okay so we can't say what are the different possibilities for a planet to be a habitable zone mm-hmm. it must reside simultaneously in the nine known habitable zones these include for example like the liquid water zone the uv zone the ozone zone etc out of the set of 3618 planets we have discovered only one fits these zones simultaneously and that is the planet where saft podcast is being recorded <laughs> wow now that is not a sample set of one like i mentioned the galaxy must be spiral in the structure mm. for yeah. advanced life to be possible because we have the solar bit of the 6% known dwarf galaxies that are spiral only one galaxy has life so we have enough samples in terms of planets within our solar system we have eight planets in our solar system mm-hmm. why is it life abundant in all of it we know that certain conditions are not met in all of these planets yes then there are 3617 other planets that don't have life and we have multiple other galaxies that we have come across and galaxy clusters and why is some life formed at stars why is life forming in 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 blank space all of these are due to that certain conditions have to be met for life to begin and all the places where life does not exist all show us the fact that the certain conditions are not met there for life to exist so we have enough sample set to make a decision now let's look at some quantitative figures before we wrap it up the probability of a planet or anything with the capacity to create and support long lasting microbial life not advanced mere microbial life even with a 100 billion trillion stars in our galaxy is 10 to the power negative 556 and for those who might not be familiar with that usage it is a chance in 0.555 zeros and a one that is the chance of anything in the universe naturally purely without any intervention able to create able to create life and then sustain at least for 90 days at least for 90 days sustain microbial mere life wow now for anything to hold intelligent advanced life like ours the chance is 
10 to the power negative 1032. Now, can anyone look at that and say that is pure chance that all of this has happened? One point that I would always like to eat is when they say that, you know, we somehow beat all the odds. We somehow overcame all these amazing chances and our galaxy was formed at the right place and our galaxy cluster and our solar system, planets, the other planets in our solar system, the right star, the right place and all. If they said that all of this was exactly met, my question would be, why don't you extrapolate the principles of chances having meanings and values and apply in your real life? Why don't you look at your literature work or your scientific work and say that is the effect of mere chance? Yeah. Why do you attribute value and meaning to all that you do? Why do you look at a paper and say, and why do you upload that author's work? Why can that be mere chance? Because if 140 parameters and 402 parameters, and there are even more, but well, if those 402 parameters and those 140 parameters are mere chance, mm. we are talking about massive forces and massive elements out there, not just a leaf fall or a tree's growth. If all of this are met by pure chance, then how can you attribute any of those principles in your real life? Now, before we wind up, I would like to uh, cite an example of Anthony Flew, who passed away recently. Anthony Flew was one of the most notorious atheists. In 1950, he wrote a paper called as, he presented a paper at the Socratic Club when C.S. Lewis was the head of the club. Mm. The paper was known as Theology and Falsification. It became the most published philosophical paper for the wow. next 50 years. You can place Anthony Flew alongside pioneers of atheism like Frederick Nietzsche and David Hume. Now, Anthony Flew has contributed to the, uh, the field of atheism far greater than uh, Richard Dawkins or Sam, uh, Sam Harris or Christopher Hitchens or Dennett. In 2007, Anthony Flew made a statement that he now believes the existence of a God. We don't know whether he has accepted theism, but he has accepted deism that there must be a God out there. Now, let me quickly go through some of the uh, quotes from astrophysicists and atheists themselves who look at the evidence for design in the universe and uh, subtly accept that there must be a creator of sorts. We had an astronomer known as Fred Hoyle, Sir Fred Hoyle. He's the person who coined the term Big Bang Theory. He says, a super intellect has monkeyed with physics as well as with chemistry and biology. This is a pure atheist who is anti-theist himself. He says that, I do not believe that any scientist who has examined the evidence would fail to draw the inference that the laws of nuclear physics have been deliberately designed. Paul Davis of Arizona State University, one of the most remarkable astrophysicists of our era, he says, the laws of physics seem themselves to be the product of exceedingly ingenious design. Now, Paul Davis was initially an atheist, but now he has made claims that he is moving towards theism as is his design. He says, there is for me powerful evidence there is something going on behind it all. The impression of design is overwhelming. It seems as though somebody has fine-tuned nature's numbers to make the universe. Astronomer George Greenstein says, As we survey all the evidence, the thought instantly arises that some supernatural agency, or rather agency, must be involved. Is it possible that suddenly, without intending to, we have stumbled upon the scientific proof for the existence of a supreme being? Was it God who stepped in and so providentially crafted the cosmos for our benefit? Uh, physicist Freeman Dyson, who is quite familiar for those who might be familiar with pop culture, says, The problem here is to try to formulate some statement of the ultimate purpose of the universe. In other words, the problem is to read the mind of God. Goes on to say that, I do not feel like an alien in this universe. 
the more i examine the universe and study the details of the architecture the more evidence i find that the universe in some sense must have known that we were coming um everyone knows stephen hawking's stephen hawking's colleagues uh, roger penrose who worked with the uh, penrose hawking theorem he said that i would say the universe has a purpose it is not there just somehow by chance their colleague george ellis said amazing fine tuning occurs in the law that make this complexity possible realization of the complexity of what is accomplished makes it very difficult not to use the word miraculous without taking a stand as to the ontological status of that word even stephen hawking himself con- considered it would be very difficult to explain why the universe should have begun in just this way except as the act of a god who intended to create beings like us now one quote that um, that that will always stay in my mind is uh, astrophysicist jobert hastro is a self proclaimed agnostic and he describes what happened to his colleagues he says that for the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason the story ends like a bad dream he has scaled the mountains of ignorance he is about to conquer the highest peak as he pulls himself over the final rock he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries all these quotes that i mentioned from these atheists as such they all point towards something happening beyond the universe einstein referred to a superior reasoning mind a superior intelligence behind the universe um even stephen hawking to report that in his trip to jerusalem he also attributed to a god who is in work uh, behind the universe i'll quickly refer to it that he did believe in the existence of god but that this divine force established the laws of nature and physics and after that does not enter to control the world so what this shows is that they have an apparent commitment to naturalism like we mentioned earlier naturalism and materialism and they don't want to concede a god but when they look at the evidence they don't want to say, they cannot rationally and reasonably say that all the fine tuning in the evidence that make our life possible just happen to come by chance i'll be i'll be posting a link to a video in the description that shows different quotes of different scientists these were the scientists who were pioneers in the field of biology who were the fathers of biology father of physics father of genetics father of microbiology people like nicholas copernicus francis bacon galileo galilei johannes kepler rene descartes blaise pascal robert boyle anthony van leeuwenhoek isaac newton all of these people all these pioneers of science who looked at the universe and say i see a purpose behind it i see a reason behind it it is the handiwork of god and it is our responsibility and form of worship to understand the reason it is this nature that even drive scientific revolution yeah if an atheist were to take in the claims of dawkins evolution and to say that it was pure chance they can look at the universe and say i reason i see reason behind it uh, isaac newton once said that atheism is so senseless and odious to mankind that it never had many professors the list goes on edward jenner john dalton michael faraday james joule joule the unit of energy yeah. um, george mendel louis pasteur lord kelvin thomas alva edison nikola tesla all of these people were ardent believers in god and it was a superior reasoning mind they all looked at what was happening and they saw that it was inevitable um, to look at the universe and say that there is a creator and a reason behind it it is when these scientists look at the evidence of fine tuning that they saw that the evidence for god was inescapable max planck who introduced quantum hypothesis he said that religion and nature natural science are fighting a joint battle in an incessant never relaxing crusade against skepticism and dogmatism against unbelief and superstition and he concludes on to god if you look at our description of the video we see always at the end onwards to god yeah. this was derived from inspiration from max planck's quote 
a poem direct who complimented Heisenberg and Schrodinger those who are fans of uh, big bang theory might be very familiar with the Schrodinger's cat and as he says god is a mathematician of a very high order and he used advanced mathematics in constructing the universe wow. now i'm going to make another quote and i i want you guys to figure take a guess and see who said this quote quote mm. okay reasons tell me of the extreme difficulty or rather impossibility of conceiving this immense and wonderful universe including man with his capability of looking far backwards and far into futurity as a result of blind chance or necessity when thus reflecting i feel compelled to look to a first cause having an intelligent mind in some degree analogous to that of a mind and i deserve to be called a theist wow if you take a wild guess yes please you can take a guess um einstein no when looks at the universe who said natural selection and chance he looked at the universe and go i don't think that the universe can come out of mere chance this and all these scientists that have quoted they're making the statements before we came to know about quantum gravity before we came to know about the 140 parameter before we came to know about the 402 parameters as we look into the science and as we look at the universe and we find more evidence mm-hmm. the evidence for fine tuning and this yeah. is stacking up beyond proportions wow so so like in this podcast like with your help you could see that uh, the existence of universe has not been through these chances like as the people you know as they are uh, claiming so do you think that the principles of chances are applicable in uh, day to day life in real life and the next question is just infinite possible outcomes in the multiverse rule out the intelligent design stay tuned guys we'll be talking about these two questions in our next podcast so thank you for listening to us please like share and subscribe that should be name yeah, yeah. and i